Hey guys, it's Panam. Um, welcome to another episode. Um, today we will be looking into Ephesians chapter 1. Um, I had the instruction to go over Ephesians specifically because the Lord showed me something very peculiar about the book of Ephesians in that Ephesians is is a book of the Bible to bring any believer up to speed concerning who they are and what they have. So, let's get into it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you because your word is light. Thank you because your word refines us your word enables us to know you better and your word changes us thank you because as we look into your word your spirit will enable us to see ourselves the way you see us in jesus name amen all right ephesians chapter one starts off with greetings um Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are in Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Verse 8 wherein he hath abounded to us in all wisdom and prudence. Verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath proposed in himself. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom when ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, after ye believed, ye were sealed with 
the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14. <clears throat> which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory wherefore also after i heard of your faith in the lord jesus and love unto all the saints cease not to give thanks for you according cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers verse 17 that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that she may know what is the hope of his calling and what is what the riches of his glory what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints 19 and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come 22 and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that fills all in all all right so ephesians Ephesians chapter 1 most definitely starts with greetings, housekeeping, you know. So Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are in Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he then says something particularly interesting as the first set of statements or as the first idea after greeting. He says, Blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places through Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, by Christ Jesus. Different versions. <coughs> Put different words in that place that specific word that comes before Christ Jesus and so that statement is qualified by a certain word hath which means has and then that then makes us understand that the believer is already blessed the believer will not be blessed the believer is not being blessed the believer has been blessed right so it says blessed be the, the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us who hath king james says hath it's the same thing as has who has blessed us with all heavenly who has blessed us with all heavenly give me a second please who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ right and so it furthermore goes to say in verse 4 according as he has chosen us 
in him before the foundation of the world. Right? Not only have we been blessed in Jesus Christ, we have been chosen in God. We have been chosen in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. So when it says him, him refers to Christ. Because where it says, um, who has blessed, who have who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ? There is now a column there. And then the presence of a column translates to an explanation of everything that is being said before. So the presence of the column means that everything after is an explanation or a continuation, rather an explanation of what has been what has been said before and so this heavenly or this spiritual blessings in heavenly places is explained that we have been chosen in jesus christ before the foundation of the world that we should be separated that's the meaning of the word holy and without blame before him in love and so i'm about to explain that for a second so the meaning of the term holy means separated. Um, in an African household, there are items of cutlery and kitchenware that are only used by the father and mother in the house. And so I cannot use it. Even if I was dying of thirst, I couldn't. Why? Because it's separated to my parents in the same way. We have been separated unto God. And this separation unto God comes with a marking. And we'll get to that soon enough. Right? And so it says that we should be holy and without blame. The reason why we are without blame is because of what Jesus has done. And so through Jesus Christ, we are separated and we are justified. Right? It now says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So in, the, in that time, there is, a, there, is a, there is a rite of passage where children, especially for men because you know back in the day it was a it was a more men focused time in history so there is a time there is a there is a there is a rite of passage ceremony given to the male child as he approaches adulthood and in that that ceremony was known as an adoption that ceremony is that ceremony is is known to be the time where this child who this child has grown up and is of age to be able to be known in family affairs right to be able to be known every time this family is mentioned this male child is also in the picture this male child has come of age to be able to be a part of the things this family is doing you know so that is the because the bible was not the bible was written with 
cultural context so to speak for the lack of a better expression cultural context and so this is the analogy with which he speaks having predestined us in fact in the passion translation verse 5 says for it has for it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with jesus the anointed one so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for his beloved one jesus he has for us and in this and this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure and in this in this translation i really see something really really profound how that for the same love he has for jesus he has for us right so moving forward verse 6 okay that's verse 5 and 6 for the same love he has for his beloved one jesus he has for us and this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure verse 7 says in the since we are now joined to christ we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood the total cancellation of our sins everything i've been reading from verse 3 all the way down to verse 7 is a is a statement of everything that a believer truly has right so it says since we are now joined to christ we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood the total cancellation of all our sins all because of the cascading riches of his grace this superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding this is verse 8 verse 9 says and through the revelation of the anointed one he unveiled his secret desires to us the hidden mystery of his long-range plan which he was delighted to implement from the beginning of time verse 10 says and because of god's unfailing purpose this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax when god makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through jesus christ and so this is the understanding that this 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 attraction this attraction that we have to god or let me let me phrase it better our coming to god through jesus christ will reign supreme through every period in history there will not be a time where men will not come to god through christ there will not be a time where god's plan of bringing man to himself through jesus christ will not prevail because of the fact that and one more thing i forgot to say is the fact that 
this revelation of Jesus Christ was hidden. That's why it says in verse 9, And through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us, the hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And even though, and so, even though we see that there was a specific point in time where Jesus died, the the soul, the spirit of that plan, the the essence of redemption took place before the foundation of the world. And so he says, because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period in time until the fulfillment of the ages reaches its climax where God makes all things new in heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Now, 11 says, through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were ev- before we were even born, he gave us our destiny so that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. And so this plan of God is not something that is subject to the times. It's not something that is subject to factors. This plan of God reigns supreme. This plan of God cannot be stopped. The plan of God where men come to, where men receive endless life in Jesus Christ, it cannot be stopped. Because God always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. So verse 12 says, God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to long for the messianic hope, would be the first to believe in the anointed one and bring great praise and glory to God. 13 says, and because of him, you who are not Jews heard the revelation of truth you believed in the wonderful news of salvation and you have been stamped with the seal of the Holy Spirit. It gets, it gets very beautiful in verse 14. But to say this, to, to, to get to verse 14, I would like to say that people who are not Jews originally, are not in, originally were not in God's plan. It is in the death of Jesus Christ that coming before God and having and having a relationship with God was possible though you are not a Jew right and it's the basic idea that because of what Jesus has done people who are not Jews now can have access to God through Jesus Christ so 13 says because of him you who are you who are not Jews heard the revelation of truth you believed in the wonderful news of salvation now you have been stamped with the seal of the promised holy spirit verse 14 says he is giving to us like an engagement ring he is giving to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what is coming he is our hope promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom freedom all for the supreme glory and honor of God and then 
whole gets into another axis in prayer. In verse 15, he says, because of this, since I heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender love towards all his devoted ones, my heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and spirit and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him before we go forward let me say this that when paul wrote to the church and when paul said to the church that um i pray that our god our father would impart to you the riches of the spirit well this even explains it compared to kjv kjv says what does kjv even say It says, make a mention of you in my prayers, sixteen, seventeen, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so it this does not mean that we are receiving another spirit, right? This does not mean we're receiving another spirit after we have received the Holy Ghost. This means this means that we are receiving spiritual wisdom and revelation. We are receiving spiritual ability to act on knowledge and we are receiving spiritual understanding when it comes to knowing God. Then it, and and then and then what I love about this is the fact that in verse 18 is the is the explanation of 17. So when we receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing God, or rather when we receive the spirit of spiritual wisdom and revelation when it comes to knowing God, what then happens is that one, in verse 18, it says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. This is King James Version. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. One. Two. Nineteen. It says, what the... Um... Um... Give me a second. That the eyes of your understanding... Okay, I sort of mixed it up, right? So the first one is that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Two, still in verse 18, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Then three in verse 19 says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Then... Verse 20 then says, Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power. Now, the prayer he prayed for them in, in verse 17 is explained or rather, let me say the consequence of what happens as a result of that prayer is explained in is explained in verse 18, 19, and 20. 
In fact, from from 18 to the end of the chapter, right? It then says that the that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What this then means is that we understand beyond our physical mind, beyond our physical faculty of thought, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Um, the Lexham English Bible says in verse 18, the eyes of your hearts having been enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What that then means is that from your heart, you understand. From your heart, you understand. You remember last, last episode, we talked about um, strengthening from within, right? There is, also, there is also enlightenment from within. And so what that would then open us up to when the heart, when the eyes of your heart is open, is enlightened, is that you would understand fundamentally what is the expectation of God in salvation? What is the hope of his calling? Then the second facet of the consequence, the consequence to receiving spiritual wisdom and revelation is what is the riches what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance among the saints? What we receive being in him and what he ultimately, what he gets out of our lives. What he gets out of our lives. And then verse 19 is my all-time favorite because it sort of correlates with what we said in the last episode about strengthening from within. Verse 19 says, And what is the surpassing greatness of his power? This is Lexham English Bible. Verse 19, What is the surpassing greatness of his power to, toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty strength? Now, what I love about this is that this thought is not even finished in verse 19. You have to, you have to, you have to, Join it up with verse 20 to understand it, right? In the Alexander English Bible, I'll read 19 and 20 now. It says, And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty strength? 20, which he worked in Christ, raising him from the dead and sitting him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And so the last facet of the consequence of having spiritual wisdom and revelation is that we would come to understand the greatness of the power of God as we see it in what God did when he raised Christ from the dead and setting him at his favorable right hand in the heavenlies. Now, the reason why the reason why the reason why this is described in verse 19 and verse 20 as the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe is because when God raised Christ from the dead 
God used that power to raise everyone from spiritual death who would ever believe. And so when Christ raised, when Christ was raised from the grave, he was not raised alone. We who have come to God by faith in Jesus have been raised with God from spiritual death. And so this is why it's described as the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. How do we know this? How do we know this? So, the Bible says that we have, by baptism, been buried with Christ. And we have, by baptism, been resurrected with him. Hold on, let me adjust this. Colossians chapter 2 verse 12 says, Having been buried, having been buried with him in baptism, in which also ye were wreathed together through faith, in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And so through our faith in what God what God does, what God is doing through Jesus Christ, we are raised, we were raised together with Jesus. And then Romans chapter six verse four also says, Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so also we may walk in a new way of life. And so the understanding is that when Jesus, when Jesus died, we died with him. When Jesus was buried, we're buried with him. And when Jesus rules, we rule with him. And so the power of God that rules Jesus from the dead, that the Bible says here in the first chapter of Ephesians that is available to us, is not only seen in raising Jesus from the dead, but in also bringing us to eternal life. So it says, and hath worked and which he, let me, let me start, let me start from verse, let me continue from verse 19 to like draw context. Um, what is the, what is the surpassing witness of his power to, toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty strength, which he has worked in Christ, raising him from the dead and setting him at his right hand in the heavenly places. 21, above all rule and authority and power and lordship and every name named, not only in this age, but also in the coming one. 
And he subjected all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him that fills all things in every way. So, in this, in this surpass, in the in understanding surpassing greatness of God's power, we see that Christ is. In the next episode, we'll be reading. Forgive me. In the next episode, we'll be reading chapter two, and in chapter two, will be the explanation. Will be a a deeper annotation to to the last few verses of chapter one where it makes us understand how we are seated with christ in heavenly places so in seeing the surpassing greatness of god's power we see that god placed christ at his right hand in the heavenly places in heavenly places and where christ is seated is above all rule above all authority above all power and lordship and every name that has ever been named not only in this age but also in the coming one so let me use something that scientists would love in the time and space continuum there is nothing that is higher than the place where christ is seated if i if i if i if i go to make the correlation if I go to prove that we are also seated with Christ in that same place, I would get ahead of myself. So I would love for you to listen. I would love for you to tune into the next episode, right? And so just to, you know, compare between um, the Lexham English Bible and the King James, it says... Um, and set him, this is verse 20, last part of verse 20, second part rather of verse 20, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality. The word principality means jurisdiction. Principality does not refer to a person. It refers to a scope of authority. So it's like saying, okay, so principality is the jurisdiction of a prince. Well, as far as, as far as English advanced in the in 1611 when the King James Version was written. Principality is the scope of power of a ruler, of a prince. Whereas power is ability, force, might, greatness, dominion, synonymous with principality. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is come. And in understanding the power that God has given us in what Christ has done, we must understand the power in the name of Jesus. There is another episode coming on, coming up around that, but for now we're staying here. And it now says in verse 22, and hath put all things under his feet, meaning all things are beneath the control of Jesus Christ and gave him to be head over all things to the church. And meaning that Jesus is, Jesus is in dominion over all things for the church. It's another way of saying to the church, for the church, for our sake. And so one way to look at one example of, one example of this is the fact that the Bible, the Bible makes us understand that Jesus died and came back to life for him to be 
Lord over the living and the dead. And that is in Romans. Romans Romans chapter 14 verse 9. Romans 14 verse 9 says, For this end, for to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord of the dead and the living. Right? So it's the basic idea that there is nothing, nothing that is under the jurisdiction of Christ that is also not under our jurisdiction, under our authority. Because the place where Christ sits is the place where we have been seated where we have been seated. The 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 position of authority and power that Christ has at the right hand of God is the position and authority of power that the believer has at the right hand of God. So this has been understanding. In fact, let me just round it all up before I get to that point I'm trying to make, right? And has given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And so in, in seeing Christ, even on a very spiritual note, in beholding Jesus, we are we are the evidence for the lack of a better expression, we are the evidence of Christ. We are the, we are the, how do I say it? Let me use the analogy of, let me use the analogy of, the the analogy I'm thinking of right now fails to really capture it. Let's, let's stick with what I said. We are the fullness, the word fullness, is gotten from a Greek word, pleroma. Pleroma means repletion or completion. That is subjectively what feels as content, supplement, copiousness, multitude, objectively what is filled as container. Right? So what is filled with the basically with the idea of the term to contain so when 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 christ is seen we are what is seen we are his fullness when christ is seen we are what is seen when Christ is seen, we are what is seen. When Christ is sighted, we are what is seen. And so this has been a verse-by-verse study of Ephesians chapter 1. And I had an instruction to do this because Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is the memo. Is the memo. Is a book for every believer to get to when they want to when they want to grasp the memo on who they are, what they have, and how they live. Right? So 
I pray that this blesses you. I know this is normally more a bit more lengthy than our normal conversations, or rather, our normal normally the way the episodes go. I pray this blesses you. So, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for everyone who has listened. I pray, Father, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation when it comes to knowing you, that the eyes of our hearts are now open. And because the eyes of our hearts are open, we will know what is the hope of your calling. We will know what is the riches of your inheritance in us saints. We may know what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe, according to the power that you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and placed him at your right hand in heavenly places. So, Father, I thank you. I give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.